Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Cara. Hi, Vanessa. We got a listener question that is so common and we haven't really covered it super specifically on the podcast. And so I want to talk about it here, which is a parent wrote in and said, my daughter had breast buds and then they went away and then one came back and then that went away and now there are no breast buds. My endocrinologist, my kid's endocrinologist said, this is normal, but I want a second perspective on this. So if you are wondering the same thing, we get this question a lot. Mostly from people who don't see endocrinologists. I think that's the important starting point. Endocrinologist is a hormone doctor. And so this is a family who has access to someone who specializes in hormones. But most cases of disappearing breast buds happen in kids who do not see hormone doctors. So they don't have any underlying reason to be seeing a specialist. It's that common. So let's talk about what's the physiology behind breast buds emerging and then talk about the magical disappearing act of breast buds. So we rarely use the word that means the appearance of breast buds and early breast tissue, but the medical term is thelarchy. But that's his mouthing. Thelarchy. She knows the word. But, um, you know, archie is sort of the beginning of, I think that's what the definition of archie is. Yeah. And so there's menarche, which is the first period. There's pubarchy, the first pubic hairs. Adrenarche, when the adrenal hormones start circulating around the body. And that's why you get zitty and sweaty and and all those lovely, lovely secondary sex characteristics that are adjacent to puberty. Thelarchy, I guess it should be called like boobarchy, but that what is not what it's the, called. What is T-H-E-L? What is the Latin for that? Well, you can look that up while I talk about the data. How about that? Right. Um, because I don't I'm know the it. answer to that. But thelarchy is when breast buds appear and breasts start to grow. And transient thelarchy is where a breast bud, one or two, appears and then regresses, which means goes away, and then reappears. And it is so common, and yet there's just not a ton of information on it out there. I mean, other than just a note that it's really common. So I actually have in front of me a study that was published in 2016, December of 2016, so almost 2017. And it was published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. And it's entitled Pubertal Progression and Reproductive Hormones in Healthy Girls with Transient Thelarchy. Mm. And it's not a big study. It looked at 98 kids, Danish school Mm. kids, but it followed them longitudinally. So it followed them over time. And then it took a much, much bigger group of girls, about uh, 1,400 
and 66 girls and used that as the sort of norming data for when different markers of puberty happen. So this study found that of the 98 kids that they looked at, 12 of them, which conveniently is 12% because 98 is pretty close to 100. So these numbers are easy. 12 of them experienced transient thelarchy. That is a remarkably large number, 12%. And when they looked at the kids who had transient thelarchy, a larger number of them had pubic hair show up early in their progression through puberty compared with the girls who had breast buds that appeared and stayed. So in other words, if you had a breast bud or breast buds appear, disappear, and come back, you were more likely to also have earlier pubic hair than if you had just breast bud appearance and slow growth. I don't know what those two things have to do with each other, uh, especially because those two things are governed by two different pathways in puberty, but I find that interesting. It's interesting. And the other finding of the study was that didn't matter if you had transient thelarchy or your breast buds appeared and then stayed, your path through puberty looked about the same. The transient thelarchy kids, when you measured their hormone levels, the hormone levels were lower at first. I'll explain why in a second. That makes sense. And their growth velocity, so the speed at which they were growing, was lower at first compared to the kids with what they call permanent thelarchy. So that makes sense to me. But otherwise, puberty is pretty much the same for these two groups of kids in this not enormous study. And just so we're super clear, the fear when there's one breast bud and not another breast bud is that it's cancer. Well, the fear by the kid and the fear by the adults in their life is often cancer. Breast cancer is so extraordinarily rare. I mean, I don't want to say it's a never event, but it's basically a never event in tweens and teens. There's a case report every once in a while, but it's this is so rare. So breast buds are not cancerous and appearing and disappearing breast buds are not cancerous. So do we know why in certain kids the breast buds appear and disappear and come back and why in other kids it doesn't? Is that about hormonal levels in the body? Like what's going on? Yeah. So the theory is that if you've got a high enough level of estrogen and other hormones that are telling the breast to grow and they are sending a consistent message, then the body responds by growing this new breast tissue and having breasts stick around, right? They are hormone breast tissues, hormone responsive tissue. Breast buds, actually, you often call them puffy nipples and that's exactly what they are. They're like, they're swollen, they're engorged, but there's not, you haven't really grown the breast tissue yet. So the initial signaling causes a change that is not new growth of new tissue. It is a an initial shift that sort of flags, this is coming, this breast tissue is starting to grow, but it's not like you've grown breasts and then the breasts are going away. You've gotten swollen and engorged in this area, but not much else. So that's caused by hormones. And when the hormone signal goes away, and if the hormones are at a low enough level that they cause it a little bit, and then the hormones drop again, which is very common, then the signaling goes away, then the swelling goes away. And just a a moment to note that 50% of boys also 
have breast buds and have the same visual, the puffy nipples, the sensitivity. And so the question came from the parent of a girl, but this is not just an XX phenomenon. This is also an XY phenomenon. Well, and important to say that it's 50% of all boys experience what's called gynecomastia, which is either breast budding or actual breast tissue growth. So there is in that group of 50% of all boys, there is a subset and it's not a small subset who actually do get breast tissue growth. And it is rarely discussed out in the world of general pediatrics when a kid's in the office, unless a child presents with it and then the pediatrician can reassure them. But it's usually not mentioned in an anticipatory way. I have mixed feelings about that because... I think it happens so often, frankly, that it might be helpful for boys to know, hey, if this happens, no big deal. And I'm sure there are some pediatricians out there that do that. But I think the flip side is it could cause some anxiety and Mm -hmm. half of all boys don't deal with it. So there may be sort of a a fair rationale to say, why would you mention something that in 50% of all kids won't happen? But you're right to say that it is a phenomenon that happens regardless of gender because Everybody has some estrogen, some testosterone. We all have a mix, a stew of all of these hormones that are in charge of puberty. And it's the relative proportion of the hormones in relation to one another. How much estrogen you have relative to how much testosterone you have that is responsible for certain phenomena in the body. And when males, when XY individuals start getting breast budding or breast growth, it is usually because the balance of estrogen to testosterone has shifted in the direction of estrogen. And that can happen for a number of reasons, probably the most common of which has to do with what we call peripheral fat conversion or peripheral conversion, where I would call them sort of cousins of estrogen and testosterone, Hormones like DHEA and DHEAS are converted into estrogen in the fat tissue. And when that happens, the ratio of estrogen goes up and then that can tell the breast tissue, hey, time to swell and grow. The breasts don't care if you've got a penis or you've got a vulva. They don't notice. As you like to say, they don't speak to each other. They don't speak to anyone. They're really kind of snotty. Do you or someone you love have smelly feet? Well, this is for you. We made magical socks. We did. The magic is zinc. With zinc around, bacteria cannot grow. And if bacteria cannot grow, well, then there are no bacteria to eat the sweat. And if there's no bacteria to eat the sweat, then there's no off-gassing. And if there's no off-gassing, then there's no smell. That's how um socks work. Check out the link in our show notes or go to myoomla.com. After we've been Zooming all day, we both hit the same wall. We forgot about dealing with dinner. But given what we do for a living, we know the importance of feeding ourselves and our families well. And we want it to be yummy. So we're psyched to have found Factor. Factor's chef-created, ready-to-eat meals show up at our front doors. With over 35 different options a week to choose from, Cara goes vegan and veggie while I opt for a whole variety since I have so many kids. Two-minute prep gets us restaurant-quality full meals, snacks, and smoothies, 
and Factor is less expensive than takeout. And because flexibility is key, you can choose anywhere from six to 18 meals per week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor meals require no prepping, no cooking, and no cleanup. Our kids are thrilled by the lack of dishes. So get started today and have a week of meals ready to go, taking the dinner prep pressure off. Head to factormeals.com slash puberty50. Use the code puberty50 to get 50% off. That's code puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50. We know it's really tough when a kid's skin is breaking out for the first time or the hundredth time. But now there's an effective product that can help. It's called Phyla, and it's clinically proven to fix acne by targeting the bad bacteria on the skin without eliminating all the good bacteria. This rebalances the skin's microbiome, treating existing breakouts and preventing new ones. Phyla's active ingredient is a probiotic isolated from the skin of healthy, acne-free individuals. This means Phyla can stop acne before it starts by eliminating bacteria in the pores without irritating or drying skin. And Phyla is safe for kids of all ages. Dermatologists recommend this easy three-step system. Just cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. My own kids actually use this product. They love it because it works so well. Get 25% off your first order of Phyla with the code PUBERTY. Go to phylabiotics.com and type in the code PUBERTY at checkout. Link is in the show notes to get started. So if you're seeing this in your house and you look at your kid and you notice, oh, well, this is different. Even if you're feeling concerned or confused, we want to make sure as adults that we present calmly and supportively to the kids in our lives because things said in a moment to a child with a changing body can stick with that child forever and ever. So it doesn't sound like, Jesus, what the hell is happening with those boobs of yours? One day they were here, one day they're not. I'm just going to call the doctor. I don't know what the hell is going on. Although I'm going to pull a sentence out of your what not to say, because I do think this is a perfect, perfect example of a case where teaching your kids to get your advice from a healthcare provider who examines you is invaluable. If correct, if every single medical question is met with an absolutely confident answer from a parent, what does that teach our kids? It teaches our kids that they do not need to go to healthcare providers for any of their healthcare worries or needs. No, 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 don't teach them that. So even if you're listening to this episode and you know that the appearing and disappearing and reappearing breastbed is normal, if your child is worried, offer up a visit to your doctor. And it sounds like that's a great question. I think it's normal because based mm-hmm. on everything I've read and heard, it's normal. But it sounds like you would like another adult's opinion, maybe someone who's actually trained in this. So why don't we make an appointment to see your pediatrician or your nurse practitioner or whomever? And it is reassuring your kid on the one hand and also validating that they are wondering and worrying about a part of their body on the other hand. 
And let me tell you a little story that's not going to make me sound very good, but I'm going to tell you because for any of our listeners, (laughs) it really, really makes me sound bad. For any of our listeners who are healthcare providers, you may have children that don't believe a word you say. Welcome to my team. So when my daughter was in about second or third grade, I got a call from the nurse at school and she said, your daughter is refusing to leave my office until you call the pediatrician and make an appointment. (laughs) Have I not told you this story, Vanessa? (laughs) You have, but I never get tired of hearing it. And I said, why? And she said, she has had abdominal pain for the past, I don't know how long, three weeks, four weeks. And you have examined her belly and you have reassured her and you have told her she is fine. And she is telling me she is not fine and she would like to see a doctor. Thank you very much. (laughs) We do laugh about it often because, I mean, ultimately she was fine, but she really did need to see a doctor because we lose our objectivity when it's our own children. So do you want me to match the story so you're not alone in the shame pool? I do, but I just want to land with... I say this because lest you think you've saved yourself from needing to go to the doctor, if you are one yourself, get over yourself. Go, Vanessa, go. I got a call from the nurse's office at school from my kid, which was basically along the lines of, my stomach really hurts and I need you to come pick me up. And unbeknownst to me, I was on speakerphone and I think I said something like, Oh, get over yourself. Your (laughs) stomach is fine. I'm not picking you up. Go back to class. (laughs) And then I hear the nurse in the background say, "Um, actually, he vomited several times in my (laughs) office. So I really think you should come pick him up. (laughs) And the parenting award goes to? Oh, I don't know. I think we're, I think we're sharing that one. Yeah. So listen, I've just scheduled the physicals, dentist appointments, and orthodontist appointments for four children in the span of one week, the one week between school and whatever they're doing this summer. I know how hard it is to get appointments. I know how much time you have to spend on the phone or online. I know when they ask you what's wrong, you're like embarrassed because you're not sure really anything is wrong and you don't really know what to say. Or you're listening to this episode and you know nothing's wrong. Right. You know, this is, you know, it's normal. And yet your kid is worried and stressed and self-conscious. Take a deep breath. Yes. Finish listening to this episode and then call because your kid will thank you. Your kid will benefit from the reassurance. Your kid will benefit from hearing this information from someone they trust who is trained, who is not you, even if you are a physician or healthcare provider yourself who can reassure your kid because puberty is a time of such uncertainty and such confusion and such self-consciousness that if we can just give our kids a drop more comfort and certainty, it is really a gift. And I think it's also a fun sort of excuse, if you will, when breasts appear and disappear and reappear to laugh and let your kids know, welcome to the rest of your life. They're not going to appear and disappear, but they are going to swell and shrink and swell and shrink and change. Shrink some more. And shrink some more. <laughs> they will change shape and sensitivity and 
color um, and color through the month and through the year and acknowledging that our bodies do shift and morph constantly is um something we're not great at right? right we think our bodies should look a certain way and should hold steady and breasts are a perfect perfect example of how they don't do that and for some kids they don't do that from minute 1 so we hope we've provided some reassurance I can't remember if I used any profanity on this episode, but if this listener or any other listener wants to listen to this with their kid, I think it's appropriate. And I think maybe it might be nice to hear it from another adult, one of whom is a trained medical professional. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Cara. Bye, Vanessa. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast, and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com yet. <laughs>